Welcome to Practically Political. It's great to have you once again. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. Hey, Dave, let's get to it. All right. So from my perspective, it seems that President Biden wants to have his cake and eat it, too. He's trying to claim that we need to spend billions more in new money, taxpayer money, uh, because COVID is not over. But he wants to remove Title 42 because it actually is. Um, and then uh, in and the other point is that the White House extended student loan repayment, uh, the freeze through August. And they said, you know, it's due to COVID hardship. OK, Well, then, if that's the case, why is he removing this Title 42 illegal immigration uh, uh, Trump initiative that the courts upheld uh, because it says that it's COVID related? We need to restrict illegal immigrants and keep them out of the country during the processes. So it seems that he wants to have his cake and eat it, too. Either we're in the middle of a pandemic or we're not. Uh, Are we ever going to get a straight answer? Well, that sounds a little bit more like a statement than a question, but I think what we have to do is put it into three buckets, right? There's obviously, there's the COVID spending, uh, and then there's student loans, which obviously is an important issue for Democrats, and then there's immigration, which is an important issue for Republicans. So I think if we, if we, if we view it that way, it would be easier. Uh, now, as far as the COVID spending goes, and I think if you look at the people, including our Speaker of the House and Jen Psaki and uh, uh, you know, the second, uh, uh, secretary of labor, uh, you know, Adam Schiff, a lot of people on Capitol Hill are, have recently contracted COVID. So since we have a lot of this infrastructure set up, I'm a little leery to tear it down so quickly because I don't, I'm hoping we're out of it, but it's just in case let's, you know, keep a rainy day fund here. And plus the money has already been approved for it. So I would say, let's go slow on that one. Uh, philosophically, um, I think, yes, we, we need a better border security. But if you're arguing pragmatically, since COVID is not an issue and cases are way down, you don't have to test people at the border. Okay, so there's really the, that, that's a separate issue. And as far as student loans go, with the economy slowing down, supposedly, uh, you know, I think it's a little hypocritical for, hypocritical for the administration to say, well, you know, because uh, things things are really booming and unemployment's down and all this, but because things are tough, we're going to have to uh, cut back on student loans. You know, my theory on student loans is the same on rent abatement. I think it was good for a while, but I think the left has pushed this way too far, and they're now using it as an issue to feed their base, just like the right is using it, is using immigration as a tool to feed this base, their base. And let me say once again, this is very important. I sound like a broken record, Okay. When, when Donald Trump took office, border crossings were at a 50-year low. So this is a crisis that he created and that Biden exacerbated. So yes, I do think that we should do things to control the border, but we're really looking at three separate issues here. Your thoughts? I agree with you about him saying that the economy is doing great. Uh, and then on the other hand, trying to say it's doing terrible. We need to defer the payments on the loans. Uh, and then on the immigration, I think that the uh, the fact is that the fentanyl and overdoses are getting way, way worse under Biden. Uh, Trump was able to help reverse that. Um, and so to me, it's, it's not just about COVID public health crisis. It's a biological warfare crisis of fentanyl components coming over from China. Um, so there are a lot of other things at play that Biden is ignoring. Uh, and I think that that will hurt him in November. That's just me. Well, and also, I think just to be uh, to make an important point about the whole opiates thing, again, you know, this is like 
uh, drugs are kind of like energy, and I tell my environmental friends this, they try to take a uh, supply approach to what is a demand issue. I say one of the reasons we should have continued with the Keystone Pipeline is because if someone else isn't going to buy that, if we don't buy that oil, someone else is. And the same thing with drugs. As long as there's a demand, there's going to be a supply. And because of the crackdown on pill, pharmaceutical opiates has been so successful, uh, the cartels and the dealers have shifted to heroin and fentanyl, which is cheaper and easier to get. So that's why the demand has gone up. And I really don't believe that it would make much of a difference as to who's president, because if there's a demand, there's a demand. But I, but I do believe that uh, there's, there's a real chance. I've said so much of what we do at Project Global Blue is talking about things we agree on, okay? In terms of border security, you could have heightened border security for giving amnesty to the dreamers, okay? 80% of the country supports that. That is a deal that actually Trump had approved until his white nationalist uh, uh, staff member, Stephen Miller, uh, said, oh no, Mr. President, we can't do that. So I think even uh, the former president's heart was in the right place on that one. So here's my question for you, which I think is a really, a really interesting one and relevant considering to what we've come up with. The Senate for 100 to zero on not one, but two bills. I mean, imagine this in this bipartisan issue, right? 100 to zero voted to make it much more difficult to trade with, with Russia, okay? But yet there were so many members of the House who opposed it, and you have literally uh, their members, some Republicans who are now uh, voicing opposition to investigating war crimes in Ukraine. And so I guess my, my question is, what explains this continuing blind loyalty? And should Republicans, and frankly, the former president, be held accountable for this continuing loyalty to Putin? I, I don't think it's loyalty to Putin. Uh, look, I, I would have been with uh, the people who voted for it. So I certainly share your view that uh, we should hold Russia accountable, we should investigate, and we should also uh, uh, just change the trade relations. It can't be normal because what's happening is not normal. Um, but I looked at the, I think there were only eight people uh, who voted against it. So I think sometimes, Dave, you're really quick to find the thorn uh, on a rose. If I got you a bouquet of roses, uh, how many Republicans voted for it? The vast majority of them did. And you always want to talk about the thorns. But OK, we'll talk about the, your thorns. Well, these are the people that are being most vocal. And I think there were there were 63 that voted against uh, setting up or investigating war crimes. I mean, there were there were a lot. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, they've been very vocal and you're hearing this. And again, what I don't understand is, you know, whether this is true, Carrie, the stereotype and what people believe is like former President Trump to this day, even with the sycophantic Sean Kennedy, Sean Hannity refuses to criticize Trump even once. And this is the best. You can't make this stuff up. CPAC wants to have their next convention in Hungary with Viktor Orban, or as he's affectionately called the dictator who was just reelected and who is one of Putin's biggest supporters and biggest enablers. I mean, so can you can you see how it, at least the appearance is really bad? 
I, I don't just go by the liberal media's appearance. I look at policy and substance. And we've talked about this. Trump was very firm against Russia. I mean, there's a reason why someone so liberal as Trevor Noah uh, talks about the weakness of America now under Biden. Um, the fact that this happened under Ukraine uh, with the invasion under Biden is no secret uh, at all. We know it's because uh, of Biden's weakness and Trump had strength against Putin. And, and the fact that the Obama administration they sent night goggles and blankets to the Ukrainians, whereas Trump sent lethal arms. Uh, we we're know talking about Biden. Let's not talk about Obama. We're talking about now. No, but, but Biden was the vice president at that time. Uh, and and the fact that the uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was sanctioned by Trump. That was a huge blow to Putin, not to mention the the cultivation of the domestic oil uh you know, U.S. oil and gas, that is a counter to Putin's power. Absolutely. So the fact that Biden comes in and removes those sanctions, uh, it's a joke. Not to mention his son got $3.5 million from the well, mayor of Moscow. So I just don't think that, uh, that that is true at all. And then, and then I think the other thing is, again, I would have voted uh, you know, to to put the sanctions on the investigation. But I think for some people just reading what what they've said, for them, it's again this question of at home. You know, the the Trump base moved to the left on war, and that's part of why some of the Bernie Bros crossed over to vote for Trump was because they liked what he was saying on things about, for example, like war. And the fact that we have a hundred thousand Americans who died of drug overdoses last year—that's a huge problem. And we're not we're not putting any boots on the ground, thank God, in Ukraine. But a hundred thousand Americans are dying from drug overdoses, and most of that's fentanyl. A lot of it's originating in China, communist China, and then it's sold at a discount to the to the cartels here in Mexico, and then brought across our border thanks to Joe Biden. So well, I no, think not- that's why a lot of people are saying this is a this is a dereliction of priorities that we should be saving American lives. How many lives? Will it take before Biden will care about U.S. domestic issues uh, instead of prioritizing? Well, first of all, you're conflating so many d- different issues there. It's hard to keep track. But again, as I've said, that you know, this the drug thing is has has been happening under all presidents, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a confluence of many factors, which is a, another conversation. But but let me just say a few things because there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, one of the things that I think is so ridiculous is this point that oh, if Trump were president, Putin never would have done this. Well, yes, that's absolutely true because Trump was on his way to blowing up NATO, and that's exactly what Putin wanted him to do. Okay, so that was a major thing. Without Putin, without NATO. Putin is the happiest man in the world. So Trump, who's really, when you look at what he did so so many times, was really Putin's puppet, which is why he still refuses to to criticize him. He sided with with Putin over his own intelligence agencies. I mean, this stuff is cringeworthy for any American, but not just the president of the United States. So so that's point number one. And and point number two is, as, as far as Ukraine goes, I agree. Obama, the response was very weak. It should have been better. I think, uh, what, what has happened now is Putin's worst nightmare, a united Ukraine against him and a united NATO against him. And so, yes, just like you say, well, what Trump said or what he did doesn't matter as the results. The same thing, what happened in the past, I can use that argument. It doesn't matter with, with uh, NATO and Ukraine. Right now, we're incredibly united. Putin is losing this war. He was planning on having a puppet, puppet government in Kyiv. 
He's now retreating. He's, he's hoping maybe he can hold some of the Donbass region, but even that's going to be a stretch now. But still, again, you know, whatever, whatever, and we can disagree on, on, on the policy, but what's being said publicly, you know, I still haven't gotten a good explanation as to why Trump won't criticize Putin once. And by the way, a lot of the policies that were enacted, like the sanctions, Trump tried to veto the sanctions. Congress had to overwrite his veto to, to, to get that going. But anyway, we could talk about this forever. But what's your, what's your, what's your next question? All right. I want to talk about Janice Rogers Brown. So she was George W. Bush's nominee uh, for federal court, and she was held down for two years by Senator Joe Biden. And Senator Biden also told uh, then President George W. Bush that if you nominate her for the Supreme Court, I will do the same thing. So you have a figure who could have been the first black woman on the Supreme Court, Janice Rogers Brown, a conservative black woman who was held down by Mr. Joe Biden, who also tried to hold down uh, now Justice Clarence Thomas, a black man. And so you have the left rejoicing about Ketanji Brown Jackson. I respect her place in history. Um, but isn't this just another example of pure hypocrisy of using black people as props by the Democratic Party? Well, I will, I will say a couple of things. I mean, first of all, Janice Rogers Brown, a lot of people felt that she had, uh, that there, there was questions about her qualifications and there were questions about some of the issues uh, or the, some, of the, some of the opinions that she'd held. If you notice with, with uh, the latest nominee, okay, with, uh, with uh, Kamanji Dashi, is that there hasn't been any issue over her qualifications or there haven't really been any issues, or it's 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 what she's done. And and Tom Cotton, frankly, disgraced himself by saying, uh, criticizing her over the people that she defended and saying that she wouldn't have defended the Nazis at Nuremberg. Let me just say one thing, okay? Maybe a lot of Americans don't know that the that the Constitution guarantees you a lawyer, but Tom Cotton went to Harvard Law School. This is something he should know, okay? So, but to answer your question, and in all fairness, because as I say, unlike you, I am someone who gives criticism to both sides when it's just, okay, I do believe that this has gone on both sides. I think what the Democrats did with Brett Kavanaugh was despicable. I think it cost them a Senate seat in Tennessee. I think Phil Breedson would have beat that empty suit uh, Marsha Blackburn if, if that hadn't happened. And I also think it, a lot of it started with Robert Bork. So it's been bad. But the process was broken when Mitch McConnell stole the seat. Okay, that's what broke the Supreme Court nominating process. Because before then, even Obama's two nominees and Bush's two nominees got over 60 votes. Your thoughts? Yeah, we're going to have to disagree uh, agree to disagree as as often happens um, because I don't think that uh, the process was broken by Mitch McConnell. It was broken by Chuck Schumer and the Democrats. They were the ones who were too torpedoed. I'm sorry, that was Harry Reid, the um, the filibuster on judicial nominees. So that that's how the comedy really unraveled. Well, but here here here's a stat for you. You know how much I love my stats from the founding of the Republic through 2009. There were 73 judges filibustered. From 2009 to 2013, there were 69. Now, who do you think was behind that? Do you think McConnell was right to steal that seat? To, to, to not give, even though it was 11 months before 
Obama was going to leave office and he and he denied Merrick Garland a hearing, but it was a month before Trump was going to leave office. And hey, let's get Amy Coney Barrett in as soon as we can. Are you OK with that? I think I think McConnell was doing responding in kind to use our president's words uh, to what happened with Bork and what happened with. Harry oh, Reed. so two wrongs so, make a right, huh? No, I, I, I think that Republicans have been sitting around taking it from the behind. And finally, Mitch McConnell said, no, I'm not going to. Well, again, uh, and, and by the way, I was against getting rid of the filibuster for nominees. I want to say for the record, uh, I am against getting rid of the filibuster now. I think you can make arguments against it. But also, Democrats, be careful what, what you wish for, because last time you got rid of the filibuster, you got three Supreme Court justices, 200 federal court justices. If you got rid of the filibuster this time, think what would happen to environmental laws. Think what would happen to, I bet you that uh, federal money would no longer be able to go to school boards that had union representation. I mean, the list goes on and on. So be, be careful what you what you wish for. Um, so my question is, you have said, as I recall, that you like Herschel Walker. Correct. Yeah, I mean, he's been endorsed by Mitch McConnell, your favorite. Uh, he's been endorsed by a lot of people. Uh, I, I, I would vote for him. Okay, I mean, so I guess that people who I would put ahead of him. But yeah, if he was in the primary, or uh, you know, I, I need to look at the other candidates. But he, if he was the Republican nominee, absolutely. So my 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 question is again. So uh, is. Is there, and here's a guy who, you know, who like has been accused of not just pointing a gun at his wife's head, but multiple female accu accusations. You know, he's welched on loans. He's lied about his assets. He's done all this stuff. Um, but that's not the worst of it. I mean, he, he, he's made no effort to learn anything. He said that, that John Lewis was a senator. He said, I'm really upset that NATO is behind Ukraine. He, he has no public appearances. They, they won't let him talk to anyone. So I guess my point is, is there some point of no return? Is there a Rubicon where country comes before party, where principle becomes comes before policy because that's the one thing I just don't see from so many Republicans. Frankly, I know I'm someone and I know a lot of my Democratic friends who would vote for somebody who was uh, who was not of their party if their candidate was reprehensible. Eric Reitens is another one. I mean, this is a guy who like put a woman in bondage and used photos to blackmail for sexual acts. Are you supporting him in Missouri? I mean, what, how, how low no, do like you guys... I like Vicky Hartzler. I like Vicky Hartzler in that race, uh, and my parents live in Missouri. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, think I guess that, I guess the point is: is there a point for you where you'd say, you know what? Even though this person is the nominee, I'm a loyal Republican, but it's just too much. I, I can't vote for this person. Look, uh, that actually happened with the nominee um, who was going after teenagers. Well. You know, uh, what was would you have voted for Roy Moore in Alabama over Doug Jones? Not Al yeah, Roy Moore. No, I, I said this on uh, on CNN. I would not. I know he was the nominee. I would not have voted for him. I would not. Um, I think with Herschel Walker, um, you didn't mention that Raf Raphael Warnock has had similar allegations oh, against well, him of domestic I, abuse. This, uh, is by the, his this is a false equivalency thing, but let's stick no, with Herschel I, Walker. I, I think it's important. I think if you're going to mention it, it's important to to actually, you know, say that there are credible allegations against the opponent, uh, because I think that's relevant. 
Um, and well, I think fewer for and further between, but but anyway, go ahead. Uh, but I, I think for for Herschel Walker, uh, you know, the Constitution doesn't have a uh, any any test except for being uh, you know a certain age, um, and you got to be a citizen. So, in terms of his qualifications, I think his he's an inspirational figure. He's he's overcome a lot. Is he perfect? No. Um, I think you tend to focus on Republicans a lot more uh, than going against Democrats who have, you know, Bill Clinton had horrible characteristics of things he was accused of. He had to pay $700,000 to Paula Jones, uh, and he was also stripped of his bar license. Um, so I, 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 I gave up long ago believing that politicians were ever going to be saints. Uh, I, I wish that they were better behaving. Um, but I think for Herschel Walker, I think what he represents is a new generation of black conservatives. Uh, are any of us perfect? No. Um, but I think for him, he's really captivated the imagination um, because he is someone who embodies the American dream with what he's achieved in sports. Um, and I, I just think that going after Republicans all the time is not while ignoring the sins of the other party. I I don't know. Carrie, first of all, I'm I am I have. I have yet to see her very few times where you have criticized the other side. I think I'm much better at being honest. I have criticized the left on many things they've done. I've criticized the administration on many things they've done. So I, you know, I'm the, as a, as a Rockefeller Republican, I'm middle of the road and I criticize both sides. And believe me, the Dems have squandered huge opportunities because as I've said, you know, I think the only way to save the village in, as far as the Republican Party is concerned is to burn it down. And until there's a political price to be paid for all this stuff that's going on, nothing's going to change. And the Democrats had an, an historic opportunity to do that. They were handed the Senate once again because of Donald Trump, who got involved in the race. And uh, David, I think that Warnock would have won because Kelly Leffler was a bad candidate. But David Perdue would have definitely beaten John Ossoff, who's some 33-year-old documentary filmmaker. I don't think he's qualified to be in the Senate either, frankly. But in any case... They, they, and they've unfortunately, it looks like they're on their way to squandering it and handing power back to a party that I don't think right now can be trusted with it. So I'm very critical of this stuff. But it gets to the point where candidates, and the only reason Herschel Walker is, an, is so inspirational is because he brought Georgia a national football title. Okay? If, if, he, if, he were, if he's someone who had just played for the Atlanta Falcons, okay, it, it wouldn't be the same. And I, because and I, I know a lot of people from Georgia. And uh, he is, you know, he's a mythical figure because of the championship, which was until this year, the only championship that, that, that they'd had recently. So I think that I, I just don't believe, I don't believe people should be judged by their worst. But, moments. but shouldn't they be qualified? Don't politicians have have a responsibility to their voters to at least try to learn something about the issues, to appear in public, to debate their 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 opponents? I mean, people criticize Biden for hiding out in the basement, but at least he made campaign appearances and he debated his, his opponents. Herschel Walker won't do any of that. That's that's a dereliction of duty, isn't it? Well, what happens? But isn't it? I mean, shouldn't he at least have public appearances and have to show people that he's at least has a modicum of qualification and that he's made a modicum, a minor effort to learn about the issues and 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 show that he's capable capable of trying to govern because he's not doing that. You and I can disagree. How about that? Okay, <laughs> we will leave it at that. Finally, one thing before we go, 
is some of our uh, viewers I heard from, and again, I try to be very fair, and they said last time when we were asking, when I asked you that question about the election, that I didn't really give you a chance to answer, that I said, oh, so you're not answering the question. So being the fair guy I am, I just want to give you one more chance, and I'm not going to say anything, yes or no, do you think the 2020 presidential election was stolen? Dave, it's a thorny issue. I think the Smartmatic allegations, the Sidney Powell stuff, that was all lies. So no, I don't think that was stolen. I think the laptop, the Hunter Biden uh, corruption for the family, that was polling suggest if the truth of that story had been, uh, now it's 18 months coming out from the New York Times, uh, that could have made the difference. So I'm upset by how Trump was treated. I don't think he was treated fairly by the media in terms of the mechanics of the election. I, I think there are lots of conspiracy theories that we need to put to bed that are wrong and Republicans should stop talking about them if they want to win. Well, so, and again, I, but again, there, we're, we're conflating different issues. There are, there's whether the issue, whether the election was stolen and there's whether issues had come up. You know, some people had said, well, if the vaccine had come out before the 2020 election, Trump might've won. And if, uh, you know, Trump has gotten billions of dollars of free media coverage. So again, I, I, I don't feel sorry for him when it, when, it, uh, when, when it comes to the media, but okay, well, I, I did give you a chance. Folks, once again, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. We'll see you next time.